feel like sometimes life is really mental. Dude, that's actually a really good name for a podcast. <laughs> Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. You kind of get what you wish for and you make your passion your full-time job, but then you might lose that outlet. So I think it's really important to kind of maintain those and keep those in your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to Really Mental, where we want you to know no matter who you are, you're not alone. Today we are welcomed with two amazing guests, Nicole McLaughlin and Gab Boyce. Nicole is a designer focusing on upcycling and Gab Boyce does object design and photography. And we're going to be talking to them about creativity and how to follow your passion. If you enjoy this episode, please follow, like, subscribe and follow us on socials at Really Mental Podcast and be sure to give us five stars on any different platform that you're listening to. I wanted to ask you, Will, how have you been able to find your true passion? Yeah, I think through a lot of trial and error. So for me, even just getting into music, I started off as a DJ and I started doing that to make money and also because I wanted to like be in control of the parties. And from there, it started a whole journey for me. You know, I dabbled in like creating clothes and a lot of little things like that. You know, none of them were like crazy big success things, but it just gave me lots of practice of figuring out what I liked about certain areas. For instance, with clothes, I realized that I was happy designing it, but like when it came to selling them, I did not have the drive to like handle all the marketing and stuff. So I think through that, I sort of learned to cater and progress on my journey of finding what I really enjoyed doing. And that's the advice I give a lot of people is just to really be open to experimenting with things and following your heart of like the starting place. And I think that from there, you'll be surprised where you end, end up from doing music and being in the music industry. I dealt with a lot of mental health issues. And from that, we've started this podcast, Really Mental, and have a radio show with Amazon on AMP. So that is never something I thought I would be doing, but from the experimentation, it worked out. How did you decide that you wanted to do all these things? Was there like a northern goal and star that you had? I think when I started, when it was when I was 14, I just wanted to be something. And I think that came from almost like a self-worth thing, like in high school, wanting to sort of know my place in the world. That changed eventually when I was 18, 19, and when I struggled with my own social anxiety and depression. And it really became about wanting to create a community where people could feel less alone. You know, for really mental, we want you to know no matter who you are, you're not alone with what you're going through. And that sort of became my purpose that I wanted to follow. So everything off of that since then has sort of related to that and and fed that. I'm really excited to get into this episode with Nicole and Gab. They're incredible designers, freelancers. More than that, they're just very inspiring humans. Gab has been featured in Dazed, ID, Vogue, and also done some amazing work with brands like Balenciaga, Nike, Marc Jacobs, Fenty Skin. So this is just going to be an amazing episode where I think that we can all learn a lot from these amazing artists. So let's welcome one to the show. Hey, everyone. We have a really mental show on the Amazon AMP app. We're going to be hosting live conversations with some of your favorite guests, including some of the ones on here. Make sure you go follow us on the Amazon AMP app at Really Mental. And we want you to know that no matter who you are, 
You're not alone. Hopefully we'll see you on Amazon app at 7 p.m. PT, 10 p.m. ET every Sunday. All right, see you then, beautiful human. Hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Okay, cool. So Nicole and Gab, very excited for today's chat. Thank you for coming on. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourselves for those who don't know who you are? My name is Nicole McLaughlin. I'm a designer mainly focused on upcycling. So I take old stuff, things that are meant to be thrown away, and I transform them into new things. And I live in Boulder, Colorado. I just moved here from New York, so still pretty new. And yeah, I guess just a designer by trade is mostly what I define my work. And I'm Gabois. I'm from Montreal, Canada. My practice is mainly focused on photography, but I also do object design and wearable design as well. So many, many different things with a focus on photography for now. It's really unique what both of you guys do. How did you guys get into it? So for me, I actually come from a graphic design background. And so my first job out of college, I was an intern for Reebok. And so that was like my entry into the fashion industry. So I was just doing graphics, like doing digital art, and it was being placed on t-shirts and shoes and jackets and stuff. And I was always really just curious how those things were made, kind of rummaging through this big corporate office through samples and scraps and trying to figure out like if I could take something apart and put it back together again. That really got me into this world of upcycling. Like these projects, these one-off pieces were like, oh, what if this was actually applied within, you know, this corporate setting? And what if I could go into a company and help them sort of see the value of these used items? So that's sort of the background of it. But it is a very physical, tangible thing. And that's what I love about it. I love to be able to create stuff with my hands. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. And what about you, Gab? I mean, while the finished products sometimes is very similar to Nicole, I feel like we have such different backgrounds. I was actually studying to be an elementary school teacher. I just started to do photography as a hobby in between classes at night when I came home. I was such a Tumblr teenager. I was spending all of my free time on there. A lot of the work that I was doing early on was heavily inspired by stuff that I saw on Tumblr or Instagram, trying to predict trends, see what was popular at the time and try to put my spin on it. And uh, yeah, I kind of still see what I do today as kind of an extension of some things that I like to do in childhood. So a lot of just like little crafts, putting things together, a lot of that inspired by nature, food, fashion, and uh, technology. So yeah. Very cool. I do want to start with photography. For both of you, that sounds like a part of, you know, your journey, something you've been drawn to. What about photography made you go, I want to study that and do that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, I don't really remember a time in my life before photography in some capacity. Like, my mom was very into, like, capturing stuff, like, on throwaway cameras of, like, my sister and I growing up. But I got really into it and I saved up a bunch of money to get, like, a point-and-shoot camera when I was in middle school. And, like, I still have it and I've been, like, still playing with it and putting like different lenses and stuff on it. And it's been kind of cool. But there was something within high school that totally shifted the trajectory of my 
life and my work, but I became really interested in sign language and deaf culture. So I had been in a relationship with a deaf person throughout most of high school. And I turned to photography and videography actually a ton. So I would like take pictures and like video me sign language, like speaking in sign language and doing like almost tutorial based style videos for like YouTube and stuff. It was actually you know, a really important part of my life. And I still think it kind of comes into play in a lot of what I do now. It's very visual. I just loved just messing around with stuff. And it was such like a fun thing to do outside of school. I always, you know, enjoyed outdoor activities and stuff. So I would like take my cameras and take pictures of me like snowboarding and all that kind of stuff. And it was never good, but it was important for me. And it was a nice outlet to have outside of school. Curious for you, Gab. I don't really know this answer for you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like yours is very romantic and there's a very big connection with photography as a medium. And it's something that I don't feel like I have. I studied visual arts for two years before my bachelor's and I had an introduction to photography class, which I hated. I've always hated the technical aspects of photography. It, for me, it's always been a way of documenting subjects, more of a means to an end rather than like a real bond to the the medium. You just have the drive to make it work the best you can. And I think that's that's super cool. But that definitely goes for you too. I mean, we first met Nicole and I in 2019, I believe, in New York City. And I think we were both stunned to see that we worked in such a similar way, which is like on the floor of my Airbnb with like materials from like the pharmacy, just very DIY, which is something that through time, even with bigger clients and bigger production, I've really tried to to hold on to. Still to this day, while I have a studio and all that, my favorite shoots are the one that I do at home or just with friends outside at the park. So that DIY dimension, I don't know for you, Nicole, but for me is still super important, no matter what the projects are. What about that sort of appeals to you? Because it could be easy sometimes, especially entering like an industry or a field to like want to do the expensive, high budget things. There is something that is so authentic and appealing about the DIY approach. So what was it for you that got you into it? even taking that approach in the first place? I think for me was because it was accessible. I started when I was still living with my parents in in my teenage bedroom with their point and shoot camera that they had to shoot vacation photos. So I started with things that I had like no budget to get any equipment. So I, I had this idea, the first photo series in kind of the style that I do now came to me while I was in school and I was like, okay, I need to do this thing where I would dress up as a texture that I saw somewhere else and then do this kind of collage thing. So I used like old fishnet stockings that I had and put it on my head and then went and shot this white fence that looked kind of like a fishnet stocking to put in the background. So it's really more out of necessity than than anything. I wanted to get it out and I needed to do it quick because I tend to lose interest if it takes too long. I wanted to focus on ideas that I could work on right away. And what about you, Nicole? Yeah, similar. It was definitely more out of necessity. I 
I started doing this with like no skills, no sewing machine, any of that. And so I just kind of worked with what I had and I was living in an apartment with like three other people in this like really small space after like right after I graduated and I was just trying to use up things around the house. And that's how like my upcycling journey started. It was like the scraps at work and then come home and like take whatever was in the recycling bin or like, you know, my own closet or that kind of stuff and try to work with it. What does creativity mean to you? Will, why don't you go first? Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> now, now it's on me. Uh, I think creativity, I think everyone is creative. And I think that to break down that word, there is... I feel like it's as simple as expressing yourself. And I think that goes towards, you know, what you wear like out in public and, you know, to music, which is for me where I express myself. And yeah, I really just think it's a form of expressing, I guess, your internal world. What about for you, Nicole? For me, I think it's problem solving. I don't know, like if that's maybe more of a personal answer, I guess, of what I think creativity is for me, because I approach things in a mindset of like, like I said, resourcefulness, but also my job is very much problem solving. Like I have X amount of material that I don't know what to do with. And then it's trying to figure out like, how do I maximize this? What can I do with it? And it almost becomes problem solving. And I find that those are the things I gravitate towards the most in my life are my favorite sport is rock climbing. And to me, I think it's a very creative sport because you're problem solving while you're doing it. So I don't know if it's probably the same for everyone. I think sometimes creativity is like an outlet, so you don't have to problem solve. But for me, like I seek that out. That's so interesting. And that's like widened my perspective. So I love that you mentioned that. What about you, Gab? I see you're smiling over there. Does anything come to mind for you? It's a hard question. It really is. Uh, I agree I like to see it as also solution oriented and it's often really associated to art industries. One of my best friend is a teacher and she's one of the most creative people I know just in the way that she teaches her students in super non-conventional ways. And another one of my close friends works in tech and is super appreciated in his field for all of the creative coding that he's doing for a variety of clients. So I find that creativity is everywhere you look. So it takes many different forms, but I I really appreciate the the solution aspect of it. But uh, how about you, Harrison? I think it's a mix of all three Um, to an extent. I think that for me, creativity is expressing myself. But then I also think that feeling free and being able to trial things. Like I can just put something down. I don't know where it's going to go, but like it'll just become something and I don't mind what it's going to become, but I'm happy to just start it and see where it ends. So kind of like walking aimlessly for me a little bit, it has to do with creativity for myself. Like there's no end goal, but I know that something's going to come out of it, but I don't know what that is. I like that. I do a lot of things and I need to figure out what my passion is of like one or two things that I can be great at. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I kind of do quite a lot of different things here and there. Can you run through what you do for both Nicole and Gab and the people listening too? We have the podcast. I model is like the main job also at university. And I also have a clothing brand. <laughs> so many we're things. Doing as well. So like I'm doing quite a, like quite a few things, but I'm trying to like condense things down a little bit and figure out where we're going with everything. 
and what I'm doing from a personal perspective. If you have a lot of different passions, which is something that I'm figuring out, how do I know which one to pick? I don't know which one I love the most or which, you know what I mean? It's not as like linear of just one thing. I love, I love that you're bringing that up. I wanted to frame that in a question too, because I'd be interested to hear as well. How did you manage that period that Harry's talking about of like fully dedicating yourself to like, okay, I'm really going to go for this. Gab, what was it for you that pushed you to really pursue that? Obviously like you had the the followers and stuff, but there must've been that period where it's that awkward step that you're taking out. What was that like? So like I said, I was in school and uh, I'm someone who craves stability, you know, so it, it was it was uh, a tough decision to take the leap. And I was always like, I brought it up to my parents like this. OK, so I'm just taking one semester off. I just want to see how it goes. And if it doesn't work, I swear I'll go back right away. Like, <laughs> And I, I truly believe that I was like, you know, just I'll, I'll, I'll try it out, but I, I almost thought like, uh, it's just a phase and people will move on and then I'll go back to school and then just go back as business, business as usual. It's something that really made sense to me deep down. And it's silly because flower cakes and orange bras and people can say like, oh, how does that make sense deeply for you? But it is kind of like what I've always loved doing as a kid. It makes sense. It brings me joy and it connects me back to that childhood innocence and pure joy. Uh, so it is kind of therapeutic in that sense. Having that as almost like a healing process as well as a job is something that definitely helped make that decision. I 100% agree. I just, I think that's like the best answer. And I think it's great that you have more than one passion. I think being a passionate person and trying to figure out that, you know, which one is superior than the other is like the best part of it. Cause it's like, you get to explore everything. And I think it's also something beneficial is to have those other passions. Like if you do like painting, but you end up pursuing more modeling or something that it's nice to have something outside of that main thing. You know, yeah. I think Gab and I both talk about this. So it's like, you kind of Get what you wish for and you make your passion your full-time job, but then you might lose that outlet. So I think it's really important to kind of maintain those and keep those in your life. And a very similar thing where it was like, I worked my day job and I was doing all the stuff I'm doing now. I was doing like as a side hobby and I was doing it at night and on the weekends and I was exhausted. And I was like, all my brain cells went towards my day job, but I would still like reach into me and like pull out this sort of creative energy and it was coming out in very weird forms. And I did both until my personal stuff felt right and I had to pursue it. And I was the same mindset where it was like, you know what, this is what I'm going to decide. I'm going to make this decision. And if anything, I could go get another job in a company again. Like I'm sure it'll all work out. And I think that's just kind of how you have to approach it. But don't limit yourself. Let let those things sort of happen naturally. It's good advice. Because at the age that I'm, I'm assuming you guys were similar age, like I'm 20 now. So I'm being out of high school for two years and I'm like, okay, at uni, everyone's going to be graduating soon. Kind of need to figure out what I want to do because I don't really know exactly. I'm kind of doing a lot of different things. Kind of need to get my shit sorted in a sense. <laughs> do you guys feeling that similar type of thing when you were around that age or have you felt that type of thing? And how did you deal with those feelings? 
Oh my gosh, so much pressure that at that age, it's crazy. So much decision making is put on a young person like out of high school to like know what you want to study and know where you want to be. And like, there's these like freak anomaly people around you that are like doing so well. And you're like, how are you buying a house? It's so easy to compare yourself to that too. And it's like, fuck, like you guys are really like just shining stars. But I think it's okay to not have that feeling, to not have it all feel figured out. I think there's something really special about giving yourself the grace, being a little disheveled, being like trying things out and not fully knowing and know that like you have plenty of time to be able to do it. As someone that's like closing in on their decade of the 20s, I'm feeling a lot better, but I'm also feeling stressed for other reasons. <laughs> so like, you know, it's just part of it, I think. <laughs> Gab, any thoughts on that? I'm 25, so I'm right in the middle. But I agree that it's it's definitely a transition period. I was at 20 years old, I was still in university doing my bachelor's. I was doing Instagram, but I was still trying to, to place things, um, and didn't have like a, a narrow path at all. Something that I've been learning about uncomfortable situation where, which I feel like transitional periods are, are always uncomfortable is try to sit in that discomfort as, as painful as it can be. I feel like that's the best way to get out of it because I tend to like not deal with it and just maybe take a impulsive decision just to get out of the discomfort. But with time, I found that taking the time to face things head on things get clearer so much faster than when you fight it. So it's annoying advice because it's not comfortable, but it's still what I suggest. Also knowing that you're 20, definitely don't feel like you need to make a decision on what your passion needs to be. Honestly, at any age, this goes for like someone that might be listening to this that's much older than all of us. It's okay to like pivot and change your mind at any point. I think that's it's become so instilled in us that we have to pick one thing and be really good at it and stick with it forever. That's so unrealistic. Not only are you trying to figure out like your career path, but you're also trying to figure out like who you are as a person when you're in your 20s to feel like I've had kids. I've tried to close that chapter of my life. I can kind of focus more on my passions and really get good at them. Like, that's so cool. I love that. <laughs> How did you find that North Star? Like, how did you figure out what your North Star was? I think it's just, it felt right when I was making stuff. And when I started to create these projects, it was, it started very much of like a design exploration process kind of thing. But the thing that kept making me come back to it was the fact that I was able to use up this stuff that was literally in a trash can. I think it was like a thrill almost to be able to use something that was literally trash. Learning the behind the scenes of like how the fashion industry works made me angry. And that sparked like a fire in me to be able to create around that. I still design very much for like fun and, and purpose and, you know, all the, all the glamorous things that come with design. But I think the background of all, it all and the thing that's always in the back of my head is like, is this sustainable? Like, how is this contributing into the fashion industry? Is this a solution to a problem in some capacity? And I'm a one of one designer. So I don't have a line. I don't have like a collection of stuff. And that was a very conscious decision. Like from the beginning, from the beginning, I could have taken maybe that check and like ran with it and made a line and scaled this to be some crazy thing. But that wasn't really the goal with it in the beginning. It was very much just like me sort of learning how to design and make stuff. So 
I've kind of kept that mentality. And like I said, things have grown. I've gotten really amazing opportunities along with that where there has been product involved. But that sustainability being like the inspiration, the North Star throughout the whole process. For me, when I hear about sustainability and where it's going, I'm always curious. And of course, it's all positive things. But my question is, is there a scenario where at some point we can get fast fashion affordability translated in a sustainable setting? Or is that just polar opposite that can never coexist? It is a super, super good question. And in my very optimistic brain, I think it can, but everything needs to change. And, and with that, it's more of like the way that we consume that we have to transition to a slow fashion model because right now I think fast fashion in terms of just the speed of it, it can't be done ethically. There could be a way that things could be created fast and put the fast fashion term on it without compromising on like how workers are being treated, how things are being shipped around the world. And I think a lot of our answer lies within already made materials. And that's where I find that upcycling and finding these secondhand things, it's money, it already exists. And it's just finding some type of waste diversion. So creating some type of model where it's like all that fast fashion clothes that you know, was cost no money to make and is now composting in a landfill that will take 500 years. Can we bring that back? Can we keep that same fast model to keep people's interest involved in it, but not compromise on quality and most importantly, not uh, compromise on how you're treating workers that are making it? Would that look like basically making the new clothes from the old clothes that haven't been bought or sold and they're just going to get thrown out? Like you'd use the old clothes that are in the landfill or composting away you'd get those out refiber them i don't know what it's called and then you'd use those to basically make the new clothes that they want in fast fashion again is that what it would look like or that's one silo of it for sure i mean there's a vetting process there's a lot of like things that need to go into that because it's like who does that you know how do you localize that so you're not shipping stuff all around the world and contributing to waste that way there's a lot of like gotcha moments anytime you talk about this because people will always try to find a way to like poke a hole in it but yes i think that's definitely a solution but also thinking about the stuff that never even sees the floor for a lot of these fast fashion brands where it's like they make something that had like one defect on it. The thing I see the most is like boxes that are sitting in warehouses that had like security tags on them that created like a small hole in it and the whole box gets trashed. Like insane to me. And the thing that brands, it's like, it's really sad and it's unfortunate, but it costs them more money to have that box in a warehouse than it would be for them to send it off to get burned somewhere. It's gross and it's icky. And it's like, what can you do with that box of 2000 t-shirts that are just sitting there because they couldn't be sold because the box got water damage, you know? So I think that's one way to look at it. And then also, like you said, kind of stopping those fibers before they end up in a landfill. There's a lot of moving parts and I could, this, this could become a sustainability podcast very fast. <laughs> um, uh, I'm like so interested. I like want to ask so many questions. I feel it. like, and also I could get very preachy. So <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to save you no, guys. Right. That. <laughs> no, no, it's good because I think I can tell you really passionate about it as well. This could be like a huge answer. How did you come across this as like a, a real passion for you? Like, was there a moment when you were like in a factory where you realized this was happening or where did that take place? A bit of 
everything. I mean, I, I have had the fortune of being able to travel overseas and go behind the scenes in a factory. And I've seen very great factories where people are treated fairly at face value. Like I said, you don't always know what goes on behind closed doors. But then I've also seen factories that are they're not even trying to hide it. It was really, really daunting to see that at like an early age. So for me, samples, this is where my love of all this stuff started with samples, which if you're not super familiar with in the fashion industry, before it comes out with the final product that you see shiny and in the store, there was many rounds to get to that final piece. So especially my specialty at the time was in footwear, a Nike shoe could have five rounds of samples before it gets to that last piece. And a sample for a shoe is a half a pair of shoes. It's not the full pair. It's one shoe. And there's a couple programs that have donated samples for amputees. And there's a couple of programs like that, that that have definitely helped with it. But it's a huge problem because how many footwear brands are there in the industry? How many clothing brands where it's like, there's so many samples just sitting in office. And that's like one part of this huge problem. So for me, that was like a huge inspiration was like, oh, this is all really great stuff that like could still be used. It might not be able to be used as a shoe because there's no other shoe for it. What if I take, you know, the upper off and I put two together and I make it a bag? There were so many aha moments like at the beginning of that. Honestly, the people that I've talked to throughout this, like I've done a lot of work with the Slow Factory. Celine Seaman, who's like the head of Slow Factory, is someone that I've always looked up to in terms of she just asked the right questions. And I've been on a panel with her where I was like the whole time, like no one asked me a question. I was like just listening to her. I was asking her questions. And so being around people who are so embedded in this industry and learning from them has just sparked like this crazy interest for me. But like I said, a lot of people are very dark and very like the future is not bright to them. And I just want to try to reframe that in the best possible way. Wow. That's so interesting. I always love hearing what drove that passion or like that moment when they started being like, hey, this is not okay. So I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you guys letting me get spicy for a moment. I got like hot wearing this. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. And that's why I think uh, Gav, you you and I always talk about this. It is like asking for us, it's asking the right questions and yeah. Gav just the 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 same thing when working with a company or working with a brand, just learning more about what they're doing. And like I said, like they might not always have all the right answers to things and that might not always stop you from working with them, but it's how can you come together to do a collaboration that will make a difference in a positive way in any aspect, not just sustainability. I wanted to ask to wrap us up, Gab, for you, what does a great, you know, 12 months look like? I'm coming out with my own wearable product line that's supposed to take place in the spring. So that's like my my big excitement of the moment because I've been doing photography for seven years now and I love it still, but I've been really craving that three-dimensional aspect in my work that often I don't get with photography because even if it's photographing three-dimensional subjects, a lot of the time, unlike Nicole, it's for me, it's ephemeral because it's uh, sometimes with fresh produce. Well, a lot of the time with like foods, I, I eat afterwards. So it's like, can't leave them forever. You can't, you can't sell that to someone if you're eating it. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as much as I would like it to just freeze it and keep it like that. This has been like a two years in the works. So it's been very, very exciting to work on. And the process is even better than 
the excitement of the final result. I've just learned so much through it. And that's like my big thing. But of course, I have a bunch of other really exciting satellite projects, personal and commercial exhibitions and talks that are coming up. It's always nice to know that that people are interested in what you do. And it's always it, it always comes as a surprise because it's like still feel like the same person who was doing it in, in my teenage bedroom. I hope for myself a lot more of that in the next 12 months. That's what it looks like for me. That's so cool. What about you, Nicole, as well? It's kind of an interesting next year ahead. I do a lot of workshops. That's sort of something that I've loved to focus my attention on is teaching and putting all that passion I just spewed at you guys like five minutes ago into a physical setting, hopefully teaching young people or people who are interested in upcycling the tools of how to create these things and how anyone essentially could do it. And we all do do it in our lives in some way. So I have quite a few workshops and talks coming up throughout the next year. A bit of travel should be really fun. Really excited for all of that. It's really inspirational to be able to get out and kind of see different places and come back feeling excited and inspired about that. I just moved. <laughs> so I'm, I'm discovering a new place. So that's been really cool so far, like just exploring, doing a lot of climbing and biking and stuff. So getting inspired by nature and I'm getting married next year, so that'll be cool. What is <laughs> Yay. good? Yay. So Congrats. the next 12 months are actually going to be a lot of like wedding planning for me. So not so much working, but another stressful venture in my life. But it'll be fun. <laughs> that's that's going to be another job, but it'll be worth it because that's huge. Yeah, it'll be Congratulations. good. Congratulations. Thank you. And so is Gab going to be at the wedding as well? Of course. What? She's literally like top of my list who's designing all the stuff for the wedding actually that's such a good question that okay so so everyone's like so your dress is gonna be made out of old napkins like <laughs> oh you must be saving all your stuff for this wedding yeah <laughs> trying to find some interesting sustainable solutions for certain things because a wedding could be very wasteful especially because i'm from New Jersey and I don't have a small family. So there's a lot of people to like feed and like house and all that kind of stuff. So I'm learning. It's a whole other industry besides the fashion industry, but there's sustainability aspects of everything. Starting with like invitations and all that. I'm like, can I get creative with like how I do the paper? Can I make the paper? So all old scraps from my bins, just like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just ride on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After hearing that, like. There's two things that came to my mind. One, I'm like, if you did fully commit to that, that'd be so awesome and also like take so much time. And then two, I'm like, damn, I want to go to this wedding if you're going to be doing that. Like, how am I going to invite? Oh my this is God. Cool. I know. I feel like I need to like live stream the wedding of like everyone's like take back program. Everyone like brings a piece of clothing before they leave or something. And then I turn it into something new for you. So maybe, maybe like it could be like a Netflix thing i like actually watch that like now you're turning into a business world it's just a wedding <laughs> okay so how are we gonna fund this like what budget do we <laughs> get a brand on board to sponsor it oh my god that's like my worst nightmare <laughs> <laughs> no but you did you did like just like a super generic brand we're not gonna throw shade on here but like i feel like that'd be so funny just like super commercial like oh my god all of a sudden my wedding's like a gap commercial next year Oh my God, it's so funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Gab and Nicole, and for life coaching us and being amazing mentors. Yes, thank you for your <laughs> advice. 
thank, thank you, you for thanks us. for having us this is so fun <laughs> All right, so that was an amazing episode with both Gab and Nicole. I feel like there were so many takeaways. And I also really enjoyed hearing about the freelancer side of things because part of this podcast is we want to give you all blueprints for growing up. And sometimes that means following a path which isn't the norm, say coming out of high school, college. And Gab and Nicole have really done amazing and have walk their own unique path that isn't the nine to five, as we were speaking about. Harrison, for you, how did you find the episode? And what was one of your takeaways from it too? I personally loved the episode because I do love Gab and Nicole's work just from a personal level. I think that for me, it was really helpful to talk to people who are in the creative field and get an insight into their process in their life and how they chose their passions and were able to be successful with that. And I think my biggest takeaway was connecting your passion to your childhood because when we're children we do things that we love and we don't think about the rest of the world we don't have any inhibitions or anything like that going back to that place and kind of working backwards to find your passion again if you loved dancing as a kid go try dancing again if you loved painting as a kid go try painting if you loved exploring go try exploring I think for me that was a really big thing that opened my eye up because I always think that I worry about oh if you do a certain thing you won't make a certain amount of money but it's not about that at the end of the day And what they were saying is you can be successful in anything you're doing. You just have to link it back to your passion as a child and what it enlights in you as a person today. I think that was my biggest takeaway overall. Yeah, definitely. And when it comes to the transition period coming out of high school and say college into the world when it comes to your career and purpose as a person, again, I feel like that is something that not enough of us as young people speak about. So for you, Harrison, Did it help hearing those sort of perspectives from Gab and Nicole? Yeah, definitely. I think it helped me a lot because I am in that stage at the moment where I'm kind of transitioning. A lot of people are getting more corporate jobs. I want to stay more in the creative field, but it's kind of like this delay where people are getting initial salaries straight away. And when you're trying to achieve something different to the standard of going to university, getting a job and stuff like that, then you're going to have a different path than the standard path. And I think that's what I realized as well by hearing their stories. And it's not as linear as I expected it to be, which is okay. And it's not a bad thing. Everyone's kind of on their own pathway and their own timeline. And I think people need to remember that when they're coming out of university or school and wanting to achieve a bunch of things. Yeah, 100%. I hope other people took a a lot away from this episode as I did. I know it really helped me and I'm sure it helped Will as well in understanding and kind of growing ourselves further. And we do have, for everyone listening, we have episodes dropping weekly with amazing guests. If you did enjoy this episode, please rate us five stars and follow us on all social media platforms at Really Mental Podcast. We will be dropping episodes weekly, as I said. And yeah, that's it. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to take care of yourself over the next week and let us know on our socials how you're feeling about your purpose in life at the moment. All right, everyone. Talk soon. See ya. Love you. Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more.
if you guys are struggling, Will and I aren't like professionals in this field. We're just telling our experiences through stories and kind of just sharing what we've been through. But if you are really struggling, we do highly suggest going to see a therapist and professional help because they will be the ones that can really help you in your situation. Yeah, of course. Feel free to share your stories with us and DM us. We want to know what you're going through, but make sure you take the time to speak to a professional because that's going to give you the most help. That said, we hope that these stories and the people we've spoken to can really help you on your journey to finding that right person, whether it's a therapist or that friend to talk to about it. Make sure you take the time to do that.